Hallelujah. Well, welcome and good evening, wives who war. Welcome to the month of March, Access Granted. And I am excited about tonight. I'm excited about this month. I'm excited about what God is saying. And I'm thankful to God to be on the line with you guys tonight. So let's just jump in. Um, Father God, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify your name. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you've been. And we thank you in advance for who you are yet going to be. God, we yield ourselves to you on this evening, God, and we ask that you would have your way in and through us. God, as I open up my mouth, Lord God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, give me a word that um, connects with one of your wives, your daughters on tonight, God. Let it be a rhema word, one that they would be able to chew and regurgitate as cows do with cud, God. God, I thank you in advance, God. We praise you and we magnify your name, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. So let's just jump in. So tonight we are beginning our series on March. We are begin beginning our series on March Access Granted. And when you think about um, what the meaning of March means, right? Um, when I looked up the word March, and then we're going to jump in, it is, um, the verb meaning is walk in a military manner with a regular measured tread. The noun is an act or instance of marching. When we looked at it from the Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it means to move or cause, to move along with a steady, regular step, especially with others. It also means to move in a direct, purposeful manner, proceed, to make steady, progress, advance. I know many of you have gone on retreats, but the word tells us that we are not to go backwards. We are to advance. We are to go forward. So in the month of March, God said access granted. And this is where we're going to sit for the entire month. I'm thankful for my sister wives who have decided to join me, who will be on the other Wednesdays of this month. Access granted. Do you really understand the significance of those two words? When access is granted, it means that places you couldn't previously gain entrance into are now open. God has reminded me time and time again, and I'm sure this is true for many of you as well, that there are some areas or arenas that have been straightly shut up 
and they remain closed despite the amount of physical effort exerted. And even regardless of the amount of time spent in spiritual exercise, praying, fasting, and reading the word, those don't even work. Those exercises discipline us, don't get me wrong, they discipline us and get us in proper position for when the door is open, but until God chooses to open the door, it remains shut. Walk with me for a moment, close your eyes and go with me. Imagine this, you're sitting in a room and you see a door that is partially opened. From your seat, you can see a small part of the room's contents, but the largest portion is not viewable. The door is not only unlocked, but it was open partially. But in order to see what was in the room, you would have to choose to walk through the door. Had the door been locked, you wouldn't have seen what was inside because you do not and did not possess the key to unlock it. Access granted provides the ability to get some things done where previously you hadn't been able to do so. The American Heritage Dictionary defines access as the means of approaching, entering, exiting, or making use of, or the right to approach, enter, exit, or make use of. Grant means to consent to the fulfillment of or to accord as a favor, prerogative, or privilege. In essence, these two words are announcing to us that we've been giving consent or privilege to enter, exit, or make use of some things or places that we hadn't been allowed to previously. Let me, let me remind you that access granted doesn't last forever. As a child of God, you have rights. The question is, do you know your rights? As a child of God, you have legal spiritual rights, but you have to know what they are to exercise them. We all live in the United States and as a citizen of the United States, you have certain rights which are outlined in the constitution and it's called the Bill of Rights. As long as you obey the laws of the land, you are in right standing with the United States government. The same thing is true with God. As a believer, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and you have a right to everything in the kingdom. There is a covenant between Jesus and God signed in Jesus's blood, which provides these rights for you. If Jesus is your Lord, 
then you are in the right standing, then you are in right standing with God. You have the righteousness of God and you have a right to everything God has. In life, people are willing to fight for their rights, what belongs to them. They put forth a big effort to make sure they get what is rightfully theirs, an opportunity, a personal belonging, a raise, a promotion, but in spiritual things, they tend to just roll over and give up. When you accepted Jesus as your savior, you received rights and privileges you did not have before because you became before because you became heirs to his promises. So when you accepted him, as your Lord and as your Savior, you receive rights and privileges you didn't have before. But because you became an heir to his promises, by saying, I believe, right? You have legal rights in the spiritual realm, but you have to take your place and exercise them. Believers all over the world are learning their rights. They are becoming more and more aware of their position as children of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Romans 8 and 17. So as a child of God, you have, number one, the right to be free. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, John 8 and 36. When God created man, he gave him the gifts of life, dominion and free will. He did, why did, why did he give us free will and not just force us to be righteous? Because God didn't want robots as servants. He wanted a family. That's why the right, the privilege and the power to decide has been left by God in the hands of men, women. You have the right, for example, to decide where you're going to spend eternity. You have the right to choose life or death, blessings or curses. You have the right to choose heaven or hell and God will back your decision. Most of all, you have the right to be free. Satan will try to convince you that you can't choose to be free, but let's not forget for a moment that he is the father of lies. So which are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Lie. You have no choice but to be condemned, sick, addicted, depressed, and living in lack. You should feel guilty about your past and everything you've done wrong. You'll never overcome it. You aren't righteous. That's the lie. But the truth says, if the son makes you free, you have the right to be free. Free from sin, shame, guilt, and condemnation. Free from your past free from addiction, free from depression. Jesus took it all from you. You are free indeed. If you choose to believe the lie, 
and you don't contend for your right to be free, you'll be locked in a cell. Only this cell has the key available in the lock because you don't belong there. You don't belong there. You've already been set free. All you have to do is turn the key and walk out straight to freedom, straight to victory. As a child of God, you have the right to be healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53 and 5 reminds us of that. When it comes to the rights provided by the government, we may have to fight for those rights at times. But with God, you don't have to fight for the right to be healed. No, Jesus has already dealt with that. You are a daughter of Abraham and you should be healed today. Jesus broke the power of the curse that came on Adam. And if you'll exercise your authority in Christ Jesus by his name, his blood and his word, as well as his resurrection as a joint heir with him, then that curse does not have any right or authority over you. God wants his people well. And the way you can be well and stay well is to find out what God says in his word concerning your healing and concerning your right to be well. To walk in your right to be healed, you've got to totally sell out and dedicate your life to what God says. Make the word first place and final authority. God's word works. Receive your healing and stay healed. And as a child of God, you have the right to prosper. And God will generously provide all your needs. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. People have the idea that spiritual things are separate from material things. That isn't true. Spiritual laws govern material things. A spirit, God, created all matters. So the laws of prosperity will work for anyone who will meet the biblical requirements to walk in them. <coughs> Excuse me. God has always promised, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Isaiah 1 and 19. While there are qualifications for increase in prosperity, it already belongs to you and you have a right to call for it. Why does God want us to prosper? Not only so that we might enjoy life abundantly, but so we will do something about the poverty in the rest of the world. The gospel not only gives people hope in the kingdom to come, but it gives them hope in, in the here and in the now. What does it mean to prosper? It means you have the right to live a long life on this earth. You have the right to have joy. And you have the right to have peace. You have the right to live in a safe <coughs> and beautiful home 
to drive a reliable car, be steadily employed at a job where you are promoted and paid well. You have the right to enjoy healthy relationships and to bear children. You have these rights because you are redeemed, saved, and a joint heir with Jesus of the promise of prosperity given to Abraham. Abraham was lacking nothing. He was blessed with abundance in every area, whole, nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. There's also, that's also your inheritance. That's your right as a child of God. And as a child of God, you have the right to never fear again. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8 and 15. Do you have any fear in your life? Right off. You may think you don't, but do you worry about anything? I know I do. Are you afraid of getting sick, getting fired, or losing a loved one? Are you afraid people are talking about you behind your back? Are you afraid of what your future looks like? Are you? Let's start there, right? You have the right to never fear again, ever. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. When you're empowered, you don't fear. Fear isn't natural. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And it isn't responsible to be in fear. It's nothing but torment. First John 4 and 18. And Jesus didn't come so you would be tormented. He came to give you dominion, authority, peace, and perfect love. What does perfect love do? It casts out all fear permanently. Jesus came to break the power of that bondage. How? By stopping the force of fear. There is not one thing in Satan's bag of tricks that the word cannot overcome. I need you to repeat that. There is not one trick in Satan's bag that the word of God cannot overcome. So don't pay him any attention. Smith Wigglesworth. I know you all have heard that name before. He once told a story about walking in the night and feeling the presence of evil in the room as he looked to the foot of his bed. He saw the devil standing there trying to instill fear in him, but instead of responding in fear, he said, oh, it's only you then turned over and went back to sleep. He didn't even give thought to the fear that the enemy was trying to instill in him. And that's exactly how we need to treat the things of the devil.
He's powerless as long as we refuse to open the door to him through fear. You don't have to act on fear. You don't have to practice fear. You don't have to talk to fear. You don't, matter of fact, give it no place. If you sense it rising up within you, stop right there and take authority over it in Jesus' name and cast it out. And you have been given a right by God to step over into the supernatural place. You have authority over demons and you have the right to take your stand in the unseen world of the supernatural, the realm of the spirit of God. You have a right to never fear again. God has given you power to pull down strongholds and everything appearing real that is false. And as a child of God, you have the right to have peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalms 29 and 11. We were just talking about being free from fear. So how is having peace any different? True peace doesn't come from the absence of trouble. It comes from the presence of God. True peace equals the presence of God. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom which means completeness, wholeness, peace, health, welfare, welfare, excuse me, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, absence of agitation or discord, to be complete, perfect, and full. Shalom. Don't let it bother you, Alicia. You have a right to have peace that surpasses all of your understanding, even when serious trouble comes. Isaiah 26 and 3. How? Enter into peace by spending time praising God and resting in the truth of his word. As you put your complete trust in him, you will experience peace in the midst of even the most challenging circumstances and situations. As a child of God, you have the right to use the name of Jesus. Ah. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. First John 3 and 23. You have a commandment to believe on the name of the Son of God. To believe on his name is to put demand upon his ability. The mighty, powerful name of Jesus is available to you. But you must become aware of your right and privilege to use it. The name of Jesus is key to heaven's storehouse. It can do anything that Jesus can do. According to Philippians 2, 9 through 11, 
everything in, in existence, heaven, earth, and under the earth will bow its knees and confess with its mouth that Jesus is Lord. The name of Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, demons must flee. Come on, somebody call his name because he's worthy to be praised. You are in the family of God and you have the right to use the name of Jesus. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you have the right to expect the heavenly father to answer because you have not prayed in your own name. You have prayed in Jesus's name. His righteousness, right standing with God is yours. And as a child of God, you have the right to always triumphant. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, always triumph. Did you know to expect that? That doesn't mean you live a life without trials. Through a, a triumph or victory comes after a battle. Come on. Anybody been in the midst of a, a battle and when you came out, you came out victorious. Triumphs always come after a battle. We'll face battles, but we are always supposed to win. We're always supposed to win. Always. There is no defeat for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when tr Satan tries to, to throw, throw things at you, Jesus has already provided the victory, but we have to contend for it. Come on. Do you understand what contend means? Contend means we got to struggle. There might be some difficulty or it might be danger, right? God is telling us in order to win, in order to be triumphant, we got to battle. The, we got to be in the midst of the battle. You got to stand flat, flat footed in that thing. But know that in the end, no matter what it looks like in the natural eye, in the spirit realm, you already won. You already have the victory. Though they slay me, yet will I trust him, right? They might be talking about me behind my back, yet I'll trust God. Because in the end, I know that I'm going to be victorious. God says, I know you're ending before you're beginning. He already knew you were going to be in the, in the middle of it. Yet he still chose you. And he still chose to go to fight for you and with you. Yeah. So listen, a triumph or victory always comes after a battle. We'll face the battles, but we're always supposed to win. Always. There is no defeat for those who are in Christ Jesus. So again, when Satan tries to come for you, ah, tell him, don't come for me till I sin for you. Because Jesus has already provided the victory. But we got to fight for it. 
How can you exercise this? You have the right to ask God anything according to his will and expect it to be done for you. You have a right for it to be to, to, to your healing. You have a right to redemption and you have a right to victory. You have a right to pray. You have a right to your father's fellowship. You have the right to resist Satan and expect him to flee in all things. Jesus came to earth and gave himself as a sacrifice for sin to buy back your rights. Once you receive him as Lord of your life, all the rights and privileges God originally intended for you are restored. But you are the one who has to exercise those rights. The devil is an outlaw. And even though Jesus has taken away his authority and he has no legal right to kill or steal from the children of God, he'll do it anyway. As long as we let him get away with it. Again, when he comes for you, tell him don't come for me until I sin for you. Until then, back up off of me. Because by the power that's invested on the inside of me, I, I win. And I have the ability, right, to pull down strongholds. I have the ability to bind and to loose. Because that's the power that I gain by the fellowship with Jesus Christ, the one who I made my personal Lord and Savior. You must enforce his defeat by speaking the word of God in faith. Speak the word of God in faith. Act on his word now. Speak triumph and victory over every situation in your life. That should be a decree. You should be decreeing life over every situation in your life. You should be decreeing health over every sick person that you come in contact with. According to God's promises for you, then refuse to back off that demand Resist the devil with all you've got. He might fight you for a while, but sooner or later, he will have to flee from you. That's it, Tracy. Satan, don't come for me until I send for you. Now that you know your rights, right? As a child of God, as a woman of God, and as a wife, you can walk in freedom, healing, and abundance. You don't ever have to fear again. You can have perfect peace. You can use the name of Jesus and you can triumph every day. You can be victorious every day. Knowing your rights is the first step to taking everything that belongs to you. You have the right to be victorious. Access granted or is it? Access is a noun. And we have 24-7 access to God. So I'm not sure how many of you had the opportunity to join or listen to the pop-up from earlier today um, where I was on with Freedom Coach Natasha Miller. The theme chosen for this quarter is weighty. 
access granted and then the pop-ups are access granted soul denied which come from proverbs 10 and 22. we were talking earlier and the scripture came up again proverbs 10 and 22 that says the blessings of the lord it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it could it be that God is withholding tangible blessings in our lives because we would be the sorrow? Paul says that there's a double door of promotion and there are many adversaries. We've been taught that the adversaries are the familiarities. It's external. But could it be that the adversaries are internal? Have we really and completely engaged the inner healing and deliverance process that we have, that we need um, to where we can walk through the double door without experiencing the many adversaries that stem from the false narratives of our mind from our suppressed pain and unresolved trauma? It is as if we're the ones bringing the adversaries with us into the new opportunity, the new promotion, the new realm of favor. And we're approaching the new thought and we're approaching the new through the eyes of the old. And therefore, we're not maximizing the access that has been granted unto us. I'm telling you, access granted has many layers to it. And in order for us to get it all, we got to deal with the trauma that we've placed a band-aid on because we can't access the promises of God when we've not dealt with and, and or suppressed the things that have caused us um, to be stagnant. I'm not going to go any deeper than that. I'm telling you, connect to the Wednesday 11 a.m. Pacific time pop-ups. And if you can't catch them live, I beseech you to go back and listen because there's something in there. There's much meat for you to chew on. And then next week, Wednesday, joined me as evangelist, minister, author, coach, Pamela Smith joins us. To continue this conversation about March, access granted. I love you all with the love of God. And I pray that you all have an amazing evening. And I look forward to seeing you online Monday morning for Monday morning manna. And if you've not already done so, connect and download the um that wives who wore podcast it's available on apple it's available on google it's available on anchor go download it you can take us with you you don't ever have to miss an episode of wives who wore i love you all have an amazing night <laughs>